This is Envision Self-Healing Podcast, episode number 76. The topic of the week this week is rod cone dystrophy. And at the tip of the week, we're going to tell you how to adjust to bright lights and to darkness. Hi, I'm Will Fuller. And I'm Richard Miller. And we're the co-creators of EnvisionSelfHealing.com and are dedicated in helping you improve your eyesight and quality of life by taking healing into your own hands. Now, if you haven't done already, don't forget to head over to the Envision Self Healing website where you can get your hands on a free ebook that's going to give you 10 top tips on how you can start improving your eyesight in our modern day world. The topic of the week this week is rod cone dystrophy. And uh, it's, it's something that's actually important to both of us because it mm -hmm. sort of incorporates both of our vision conditions into mm -hmm. almost one condition. I would so. say it's close to our heart, but it's probably closer to our eyes. Four eyes, maybe. If you overlap my eyes on your eyes, it's kind of <laughs> rod cone dystrophy. So. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and that's because uh, Richard has optic atrophy, mm -hmm. uh, which was from from birth, uh, genetic birth. Mm -hmm. We both, well, and yours is genetic as well, mm -hmm. and you have retinitis pigmentosa. Mm -hmm. And then Will's of condition affects the periphery and the, the rods in the rod cone dystrophy. Mm -hmm. um, Richard, I love that I'm explaining <laughs> your condition and you're explaining my yeah, condition. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, and and with, uh, with Richard, it's his cone, uh, the cone cells, which we're gonna go into a lot more detail yeah. uh, in a minute, which is uh, the central vision where there's kind of patches. So in the, the cones, in the cone rod cone dystrophy, is um, it's kind of a, a, it's a genetic disease that affects the cones and uh, sort of degenerates their uh, usability in the same way that optic atrophy uh, de degenerates the optic nerve and the, uh, and the nerve cells that come off of the optic nerve. Mm -hmm. So when the cones are dystrophied, oh right, the word dystrophy basically means degeneration essentially. Mm -hmm. And for those of us that don't know what cones are, do you want to explain there that? There we go, we can back up to that too. The cones... <laughs> Richard knows it too well, unfortunately. <laughs> the cones are, uh, so there's a, in the whole, se the sensitive area of the eyeball, which is in the back surface, is called the retina. And it's made up of two kinds of photoreceptors. Mm -hmm. Photo being light and receptors being receiving. Mm -hmm. And the cones are in the central vision or in the, what's called the macula. And uh, they, the cones, <clears throat> specialize in seeing fine detail and color. Mm -hmm. So you use your cones to read a book, uh, to look at your wife's face, mm -hmm. um, uh, the color of an apple, things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, when your cones are dystrophied or degenerating, and this happens over years, it's a hereditary disease, that starts usually around 20, mm -hmm. then these cones, are their, their usefulness is degenerating. So if your cones are used for seeing color and detail, then that's what's going to degrade. And um, you start losing, uh, the colors get less bright, less, less easy to identify, which is my optic atrophy. I have the same condition. I have mm -hmm. less sensitivity to color and I have uh, less ability to see detail. So. And to anyone that, that looks at a, a picture of the eye and you'll see that the light kind of enters through, that when you're in, in light environment that the pupil shrinks down, the light passes through and that tiny spot at the back of the eye 
which is the macula that Rich mm -hmm. is talking about there. And it's only really responsible for about 1% of the entire right. retina and 3% of the entire field of vision. So it really is a, a tiny spot there. And you'll notice that in the center, right where the light hits on, the cones are tightly packed, right. uh, kind of like a, a real busy bus in a, in a city. Um, and that's mm. taking a lot more information. It's taking uh, higher grade information, like uh, high definition television, where you've got lots of uh, pixels together. Right? It really or, is very analogous to that. Mm -hmm. It's like having a lot of high resolution spot in your mm -hmm. eye with a lot of pixels there. I mean, even the, the word retina display, which oh, that's I, don't, true, yeah. I don't know whether that's Apple patented or not, but, yeah. um, but they, they've, they've got a claim on that and all their stuff. That this is our retina, retina display, display. Isn't it? Yeah, this is our, we've got a cheaper version of yeah. the retina display. Yeah. Um, so, and the reason why they're calling that is because of the high level of, of pixels. Right. And um, you've explained uh, before, Richard, that um, those that have uh, cone dystrophy or poorer central vision, it's almost like the lower resolution pictures right. like some videos that you get on YouTube um, right. it's kind of a poorer quality because there's a lower pixel count yeah if you can imagine or a grainy photograph mm -hmm. like you uh, sped up your camera's speed mm -hmm. and made it really really grainy or noisy is what mm -hmm. they call it now okay you can see less detail because it's sort of the detail is lost in the granularity of the image mm -hmm. and that's yeah, true with optic atrophy and you, cone dystrophy. You could think old-school cell phones that had uh, that have videos on it and, and obviously now you you have these uh, nice posh cameras on our on our phones it's it's kind of that poor low resolution right. uh, yeah. that you get in there so the images are slightly grainier and then on top of that if you've got certain areas or patches of where these particular cones get affected then you're gonna start getting pieces holes, of information yeah. missing. Right. But so, not, not holes in the retina. No, no, no. In the visual field, in, in your visual field, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. 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 Good. So that's the cone dystrophy part. Mm -hmm. um, and this happens slowly, but eventually it's, it's, it's pretty severe. Mm -hmm. So, okay, go on to the, uh, the rod part. So then the rod dystrophy, like the rod dystrophy, uh, very similar to what we were saying, because my condition is retinitis pigmentosa which is dystrophying of, uh, of the rods, uh, but they've identified the uh, retinitis pigmentosa as a particular symptom to do with what you observe in, in the back of the retina. Um, but it's, it's essentially the same thing where, again, over time, and uh, of course this happens differently in, in every yeah. in, in, in particular Individual, people, yeah. um, that the rod cells start to uh, dystrophy and uh, degenerate, just like what Richard said with the cones. Now, with uh, the rod cells then, you've got the cone cells, which are mainly found in the middle um, of the eye where you're, you're getting that, that fine, clear detail from the macula. There's about six million cone cells, whereas in the periphery, we're looking at about 120 million rod cells. So just two types of cells there that you need to remember, the two uh, photoreceptors there, uh, cone cells and rod cells. Now, the rod cells is what's responsible for picking up movement and low levels of light. I just thought how interesting this is that there's so many more rod cells, mm -hmm. and yet there's, know, right? they're more spaced out, actually. Uh -huh. So the resolution is sort of less, even though there's so many of them. But they're covering this huge space yeah. in the retina. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them, but spaced out. Uh and uh, lower resolution sort of. Per, do you, when you do pixels, <laughs> do, you, do you still do it per squ square yeah, inch you do, or yeah. you still do it per? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's why it, if it's in the dark and, and you don't have uh, 
rod dystrophy um, or any kind of uh, peripheral condition, uh, it's it's a lot poorer, could seem a lot grainier, or you're not really seeing the colors, it's kind of a, a right. grayish, grainy image, or if you look at, at night vision through night vision goggles or, or whatever, it's kind of that grainy image. Um, so you, you, again, you're getting that, that low resolution there, and you're not really getting the color because it's the cone cells that pick up uh, the color majority-wise. I think there are animals that evolved with just rod cells, or mm -hmm. maybe this is pre prehistoric, and that, that's all they saw was movement. Yeah, so right? it, is it um, the dogs? Some, there's some color? animal that yeah. only has it's, it's rod cells, something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that means, and that's where you, you hear the stories about if you see this animal, just stand still, stand still yeah. and they won't be able to do anything because they don't see any movement. Right. So, and this is why uh, one of the symptoms of uh, rod dystrophy or with rod uh, cone dystrophy is night blindness or difficulty seeing in the dark because it's these rod cells that pick up the low level light so that you're uh, able to see uh, in the dark and uh, it's also responsible for movement as well. So yeah. tracking objects or, or anything um, to do with movement. So, um, yeah, you could imagine um, the difficulties with this condition, rod cone dystrophy. Yeah. And um, they do say, say for example, with my condition RP, that it's tunnel vision, but then eventually you lose your central vision uh, and then you go blind. So you could argue, I know it's, it's not a branch to the same, but the, the principle of rod cone dystrophy does actually map across many conditions. Right. Um, but in, in this particular type, if you have been diagnosed with rod cone dystrophy, then these are the, the two main areas that you're, you're looking at there, and uh, it's generally seen as an inherited condition. I don't know right. what isn't an inherited yeah, condition. Yeah, these days everything is inherited. I don't know what <laughs> come to think of it. Um, but this is what, this is, so now that you sort of understand the anatomy a little bit, so mm -hmm. this is why one of the early symptoms will be uh, night blindness, mm -hmm. that you might go to your ophthalmologist and start complaining that you're not seeing well at night. Mm -hmm. And they might then throw, uh, put a color chart in front of you mm -hmm. and test your color vision mm -hmm. as a way of testing for this. Yeah. So that makes sense now. So they're looking for the cone dystrophy as well mm -hmm. and the color vision loss there. So, so uh, pretty from if you do kind of some re research on this, the main stuff you're going to find is, is pretty much don't wear Oh, do wear, do wear sunglasses. Yeah, uh, that seems to be kind of a some of the limit there. I'm, I'm yeah. sure that you could do further research into stem well, cells and whatnot, but that seems to be limitation as far as Western medicine is concerned. And in some ways, they're just reacting to another one of the symptoms of uh, cone dystrophy, which is light sensitivity or light phobia. Mm -hmm. In some ways, that people want to do it anyway because they're a little light phobic. Yeah. And so they're just giving them something they probably want anyway and calling it a, a treatment. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what we would say is, is for this and for a lot of our conditions is we would go more on the uh, if you don't use it, you lose it right. principle. So if you start um, hiding from the sun, now mm -hmm. the macula and, and the cone cells, they respond to sunlight, 10,000 right. watts uh, of sun. Whereas indoors, you're only looking at maybe 100, 200 watts. So the cone cells need that sunlight in order to become activated and fully strengthened. The same as the rod cells, um, they need dark environments and movement in yeah. order to be fully active. Now, the problem with this condition is you're going to be told to avoid sunlight. Right. And you're going to be told to avoid dark environments because you can't see very well in it. Right. 
um, and I guess that, that kind of includes the movement. Well, and, and I have to admit that for your, it, it's sort of a comfortable transition to avoid light and avoid dark, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the problem, the thing that the the use it or lose it rule then starts applying. If you start wearing sunglasses in any bright environment, as you say, you've now shielded mm -hmm. the macula from light, which is what it's used to getting. Mm -hmm. uh, and and you, in some ways, you're degenerating the function mm -hmm. by wearing the sunglasses. Yeah. And the other, I wanted to address one thing is that people, your doctor may then say, ooh, you got to wear sunglasses because the macula could be further degraded mm -hmm. by sunlight. But that's... There's blue. There's a yellow filter on the mac. The macula is made of a yellow color, mm -hmm. but filters out all of the harmful light. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're not so worried mm -hmm. about that. But so you you might be thinking, well, all I've heard is um, wear sunglasses, wear sunglasses. Mm -hmm. um, they listen to this, and and then we sound really radical about yeah, yeah, don't yeah. wear sunglasses <laughs> and go out in the sun and yeah. and fry your macula. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's not what we're saying. Yeah. Um, there's there's sensible sensible ways of doing it. What we're yeah. saying is that if you completely shield yourself uh, right. from sunlight, hide indoors. And then you're always switching on lights, which is something because uh, my right. my dad um, has the same condition. His mum has the same condition. My sister, uh, aunts. Um, so I was always brought up in an, an environment of lights all the time. We were never in the dark. Um, we'll see when you, when you go to sleep. But we're talking about being active mm -hmm. um, and actually allowing the rod cells to uh, adapt to the dark in order for them to be fully active. So it is very easy to avoid both right. light and dark, especially when most people spend a lot of time indoors in an office um, or even if you're younger, you're in school all day. So um, it can be surprisingly difficult to start exposing yourselves to these natural right. environments. Right. So of course, there's uh, healthy ways of doing things, just like anything you could say to someone, well, to lose weight, just don't eat food. So <laughs> yeah. just starve. That's, that's obviously too much of an extreme. So what we would uh, suggest with the use it or lose it um, aspect is to work with eye exercises, which right. is a safe way of adjusting um, to, to work with the light and dark environments. And um, you're still getting full activation of these cells, but um, you're not just going out. So we, we do actually recommend, you know, let's say you're driving and the light is in your eyes or you're on the beach or you're in an extreme light environment, right. you're skiing, then yes, of course, yeah, sunglasses it is good to protect the eyes. But walking from your house to the car, um, if, if you're just shielding all the time, and it's also not a surprise then, if you never go out in the sunlight, you're weakening the pupil as well, which is right. responsible for the strickening. Plus you're losing the, the cone cells, plus you're not strengthening them. Um, so of course, by the time you get outside, you're gonna have Photophobia. We, we have people that come and see us that don't have macular degeneration or cone dystrophy and they still have photophobia, even mm -hmm. people that have um, just wear glasses. Yeah, anyone who does that regimen of wearing sunglasses that uh, extensively will develop mm -hmm. photophobia. It's not distinct to mm -hmm. uh, rod cone dystrophy. So. So not avoiding the sunlight, but then also not avoiding the darks are good things if you're, and it's coming into winter now, but being out and get camping or going for a walk if it's safe uh, to do so with a friend or family member. 
and just allow the eyes to adjust to the diet. Now I was saying before that we also suggest particular exercises. If you want to find a complete list of those exercises then you can head over to our website at envisionselfhealing.com and uh, you'll find plenty of exercises there, for example, the, like the sunning exercise, mm -hmm. um, which, you, which is kind of where you close your eyes, you turn your head to the sun, um, and then that's gonna get light towards the back of the eye and strengthening it. Mm -hmm. There's also exercises like the peripheral vision exercise, where you're right. moving your hands to the side of your head. That's creating movement and motion. You could also do it in the dark with flashing lights. Um, again, enhancing that movement um, so then, there are. Uh, I was thinking about the, for the sh for the detail part of the macula. Uh -huh. There's the shifting exercises too. Uh -huh. So you're using specifically the macula, mm -hmm. so. and that that's the second thing uh, with the macula. Remember, Richard said that it's to do with fine detail and color. So if we're switching off from fine detail right. and color in our everyday lives, uh, which a lot of us have done, then again we're going to start losing uh, the ability. Uh, to see that. So you want to keep those cells strong. You want to think of it as just like a muscle in the body. If you were told you had muscular dystrophy, which is mm -hmm. dystrophy of the muscles, then you want to maintain that because you don't want to overwork the muscles, but you still want to maintain them and keep them healthy, which is going to slow the progression and start and see some improvements as well. I, I just wanted to this, add this one last cautionary sort of uh, moderating note, which is unusual for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> is that you do, if you do have rod cone dystrophy, it is a very serious genetic mm -hmm. trend, shall we say, or mm -hmm. a down, it could be a downward trend, and we want to like just basically not make it so down. We, we'd love to make it level, so you just either stay mm -hmm. where you're at or, or get better, but we're happy if you if you if it gets less steep, mm -hmm. you know that the downward yeah, slope it's, is less steep it, too. So. I mean, like we say, it's a serious condition. A lot of the time, your best going to get from the doctors is just don't wear sunglasses. And do wear are, sunglasses. Sorry, do wear sunglasses. <laughs> that's that's saying us, it. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but there is a lot more that you can do for that. Just on some very basic, common sense yeah. um, activities that you can do instead of going in the opposite direction of hiding away from from using these cells and parts of the eye, we're suggesting that you start and fully activate them and try yeah. and keep them as healthy and strong for as long as possible. Yeah. Not to mention the nutrition and, and everything yeah. that we also talk about, and you can find plenty of blogs on nutrition on our website um, that's gonna give you a lot more information on that as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, great, well, I think that's a good time to move on to tip of the week. And the tip of the week this week is adjusting to bright lights or dark environments. And this is something that we've had a lot of experience in ourselves yeah. and also many of our <laughs> clients. So like we say, it's not just people with um, serious conditions that have, a that have trouble adjusting to light and dark. Right. Um, it is also just people that might need to wear glasses. And part of the reason is once you start and learn the anatomy of the eyes and how they actually do adjust to light and dark. So for example, if you're in a light environment, the cone cells become fully active, so things seem nice and bright, nice and crisp, nice and clear, and the rod cells kind of dim down and right, switch, switch off, off a, little a little bit. bit You've yeah. still got enough there because you're still seeing the movement, but they're not fully active. Mm -hmm. Now when you go from a light environment into a dark environment, the cone cells actually need a period of time where they start to switch off and the rod cells start switching on again. Mm -hmm. So now for the cone cells to be fully switched on, I think you're looking at about five minutes, 
for the rod cells to be fully switched on, you're actually looking at about 40 minutes. So there For is, to fully switch on, yeah. yeah. So there is a, a big difference there. Mm -hmm. Now the reason why most people don't notice this is they can get by on a, a quick shift just going in and out and they don't right. really notice it. Well, our environments are either lit or, you know, we, we yeah. use technology to, to, to mask that a little bit mm -hmm. too, so yeah. Um, so, but if you have a particular condition in, in either one of these areas, um, like rod or cone dystrophy, then you are going to notice that shift is going to be a little bit uh, slower between mm -hmm. the two. Now, you, you're probably thinking, well, I thought you just said that people without these conditions also get it. They do. For them, it's also because they're not used to being outdoors in the sunlight, so these uh, cone cells have become weak. The pupil, which is responsible for constricting to reduce the amount of light that actually enters the eye, it has its own process um, in order to limit the amount of light so it's not as strenuous in the eye. Those muscles become weak as well. And that's why you notice when people step out uh, into the light, into the light, into the light, um, that they kind of squint, their face right. kind of squints down. And that's, yeah. that's because they're using their face muscles instead of their pupil muscles, they're compensating. Right. And then also the cells in the eye, which aren't used to being in bright light, um, they're struggling there as well. So I think a good example people talk about when they go from a, a movie theater or something. That's classic for me too. And That's where I outside. still struggle a little bit. Mm -hmm. it's like I just realized movie theaters are almost never outdoors anymore and I think about it though. <laughs> <laughs> You're going into a mall usually or something like that. So. That's true. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but again, it's, it's all part of that uh, use it or lose it that we talked about previously. Because if you're never allowing your eyes to adjust uh, to sunlight or being out in sunlight, and as soon as you, or before you even leave now, people put sunglasses right. on and they wear them indoors, but you're never allowing the eyes to actually uh, adapt to that sunlight. Plus, you've got the weakness in the pupil there as well. And I think there, also, there is also a big psychological aspect in there as well. Of, oh, the sunlight, the sunlight, hide from the sunlight. So right, you're right. kind of trying to hide away from it. Whereas... A lot of people um, that enjoy the exercise sunning, um, then once they get over that initial fear, they just can't be out in the sun enough. Like just they want to be out sunning as much as possible. Right, right. So the tip we would say then um, for adjusting for going from the dark environment into the light environment is blinking. Is that's going to be my first. Mm -hmm. uh, well, obviously, if you did the sunning exercises over time that would uh, mm -hmm. give you the ability to adjust quicker. Mm -hmm. But even so, um, resist the urge to like squint and because uh, mm -hmm. that's just tightening up the mm -hmm. face muscles around the eyes. And blinking stare. And yeah, blinking, blinking is sort of a way of cutting. You're basically, if you think you're blinking four times or five times as much as you would normally blink, mm -hmm. you're, you're cutting the light considerably. Mm -hmm. That, that's hitting your retina, you're cutting that back yeah. quite a bit. Uh, so that's the main thing and then mm -hmm. focus about, you know, um, relaxing the muscles around mm -hmm. the eyes. And uh, we, we, we've also noticed one thing that could be very beneficial for people is just to just take a second when you step out from dark into light is just to stop and sun. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to just head over to the Envision Self Healing website uh, if you don't know it and you'll see the sunning eye exercise, just click on there and you'll see what yeah. to do. So, but just for five seconds or so, right. it's where you close your eyes, you face the sun, turn your head side to side, and that's gonna wake up those cone cells a lot quicker so it's not strenuous, so. Yeah, I mean, I guess ideally we'd have you doing the, eye the sunning eye exercises, sort of a regular regimen, mm -hmm. and then when you hit those environments, you can just quickly do a, a 
five or ten seconds. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a quick adaptation, should mm -hmm. we say. Yeah. Um, so it means that you're not carrying that strain as you go. Uh, and it really is only about five seconds, ten seconds. So it, it, is. It, it really doesn't take too long to get that initial adjustment. And then you can sort of carry on on your way. And I just, just a, a quick point that a, another thing that causes photophobia as well is eye strain. We get a lot of people oh, right. um, that spend a lot of time on the computer, a lot of time reading or just stressful um, eyes. They're under so much strain and fatigue that by the time the light actually hits their eyes, it causes um, a reaction there, just like a, a weak muscle trying to lift weights or something. Yeah. So. Um, making sure that you get rid of eye strain. And again, you can see a full podcast series on eye strain, uh, eye strain on our website as well. And if you got to this, this podcast because you have eye, uh, photophobia, mm -hmm. consider that that's an indication of eye strain. So, yeah. yeah. So now if you're going to want to adjust from light into dark again, which is something that uh, I myself are very familiar with and uh, spend a lot of time trying to work on that, is uh, the first thing obviously is to work with the, the rod cells um, overall over time. Actually spending time in the dark is also gonna help you um, with those rod cells adjusting to the dark, but it's also gonna help your confidence a lot more kind of moving around in dark environments, as long as it's safe to do so. Um, then you'll find that you're not as anxious when you come to a dark environment uh, in the first place. A prime example is if you go into a restaurant and then obviously it's bright and then all of a sudden it mm -hmm. kind of goes dark. And the reason for that is because remember we said the cone cells respond in bright light situations. So when you go into the dark, the cone cells are switching off, but you don't have the strength there in the rod cells to see in the dark as well. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult to see in the dark uh, that way. In terms of a formal exercise actually to prepare you for those moments again, mm -hmm. um, is the peripheral vision exercise, you know, uh -huh. the stimulating the peripheral periphery mm -hmm. through movement mm -hmm. is also stimulating. Why am I telling you? You do this every day. <laughs> <laughs> stimulating the periphery through movement uh -huh. is also strengthening the rod cells mm -hmm. which allow you to mm -hmm. adapt to the dark. So I think a, a nice quick tip that if you're trying to adjust from light to dark in, in those short situations is that when you do go from, uh, let's say you're outside and you're walking to a restaurant, is instead of kind of panicking about you can't see or I'm going to embarrass myself or I'm going to knock into a table. Instead of doing that, just take a step to the side, out of the way from the front door, and just take, a, just take five seconds, ten seconds, mm -hmm. just like you would if you go from dark to light and you do a bit of sunning or you do blinking. As you step in, just take a step to the side, deep breath, and just kind of scan the room around you and allow the brain to make up the images that are around. And you'll also find that your eyes will start to adjust um, a lot quicker than if you just try walking straight into the restaurant and, and go straight to your table. I was just thinking another way of practicing this too is in your own home where you know the environment mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. is That's resist the urge to turn on the light. That gives you that, it's, you're, using it, uh, you're using that function mm -hmm. more in a, in a safe environment than when you're in a, um, a more unfamiliar environment being less of a challenge. Yeah, it's very easy for us to do. We've lost our keys or we need to go grab a sweater from the bedroom. Um, is we, we just go in and, and flick up the light straight away. Um, this time, try when you go into the room, try not to turn on the light, and you'll be surprised actually how you can navigate yourself around the room 
and indeed how things start to seem a little bit brighter. Mm -hmm. What's even more interesting is when you leave the room, how bright everything seems right. outside the bedroom or the room that you're in now that the lights are on. So mm -hmm. it's a good way to adjust to Eva. But a couple of nice quick tips yeah. there um, that can, can really help uh, you adjusting to the light and dark and it also takes that anxiety down a little bit more and makes us a little bit uh, less afraid from being in those environments that we yeah. both personally know and also working with our clients. Um, it's important to be able to get out and, and do those sort of things without feeling anxious. Yep. Okay, great. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. If you want a lot more information about eye exercises and natural vision improvement, then be sure to head over to the Envision Self Healing website. You could also get your hands on a free ebook that tells you the background uh, about eye exercises and indeed how they can start and help you and your vision condition. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, be sure to subscribe and you'll get one of our podcasts that we send out every week, the same as if you're listening it to uh, on iTunes. You can uh, also follow us on Twitter and indeed on our Facebook fan page, just type in Envision Self Healing. Be sure to like our page there and get involved in everything that we're sharing and any sort of latest information or pictures um, or any updates that we've got going on there, we tend to send over to either Twitter or Facebook. And uh, you could also share the information if you're viewing this on our website, then uh, obviously be sure to use the share tabs and share that around. And uh, yeah, you could pretty much keep up to date with us <laughs> in, uh, in lots yeah. of aspects there. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, good luck with your eye exercises, everyone, this week and happy healing. And have a good week.